And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, joined by my permanent partner. I think we have decided... It doesn't mean we got married, okay? Ah, I wasn't invited. You weren't invited to the <laughs> wedding. Randall Carlisle. And this is show number 34. Really? Wow. Wow. We've been doing a lot of... A lot of them, and, and we haven't made a dime. We, and, <laughs> and we deserve the remuneration we get. I yeah, think you're we're right. right. You're right. Do and I need the, to give both of you high fives right now? I would take it. Yeah. And the reason, there you go. That's what we just got paid. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that we're doing this show, and again, Odyssey House Journals, is that both Randall and I are in recovery, both of us uh, in AA, and one of the tenets of AA is that in order to keep your sobriety, you have to give it away. And by that, I mean... And I butchered that a little bit, but if you help other people out, then it is so much easier to keep your sobriety and be a great citizen. And so our this show, which is available on iTunes and Spotify, Comcast Channel 17, 17. Facebook and page for Odyssey House. Facebook page will give you all the links to, it's also on YouTube, Odyssey's YouTube channel. So it's available a lot of places. And, and I, <clears throat> I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that, you know, you can do analytics on the Spotify and the iTunes podcasts, and we have people listening. Isn't it fun when an old guy says analytics? I know, Mike. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. do you know what that means? Uh, it's like numbers, a Nielsen rating. Numbers that come back. Anyway, okay. right. so we, ha- we actually have some listeners in Russia, Switzerland, Australia, what? New Zealand, and... I, we can't figure out why. Hi, everybody. <laughs> wherever you, wherever you, you know, are. maybe you could. Yeah, what uh, I'm trying actually, to could you? That we could. You could send a note in. Yeah, at uh, yeah, odysseyhouse.org. Uh, odysseyhouseutah.org. Yeah, and let that us know be, how you I, found I'd out. I'd love about. to. Yeah, I'd love to find out why. If you're in Russia, you'd be watching this, but maybe because you're drinking cheap vodka and you don't like it. I, I don't know. Entertained by us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, we're fun and games, but all, with all seriousness, what we're trying to do is just maybe be a resource. So if you've got a son and daughter, you've got a neighbor, you've got someone you see every morning when you shave, a call to Odyssey House, and we'll put the number up on the screen right now, could go a long way to finding information out. There is not one specific way to get sober, to kick drugs, but there are a ton of people who care about you and care about doing that here in the state of Utah, so we're very lucky. Yeah, we are. And there's and the the thing that I've learned, and January's one of my buddies in this, I mean, there are thousands of people in the recovery movement in Utah right now, in, in various forms, right? Right, various forms. Like softball, uh, volleyball, volleyball, <laughs> That's bowling, golf. You know. Sarah has a... a a Friday night uh, movie night for families. Right. Uh, they have a lot of stuff at you, sorry. Yeah. And, and, and recovery is just strictly being able to talk about things and get kind of a handle of what's bugging you, and that could lead in many ways to getting off drugs and alcohol. But thousands and thousands of Utahns have done it, and they are not, it's not easy, but people are doing it every day. And, and hanging around sober people is a lot easier than hanging around people who are using. I mean, it, 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 that's my point of view. I mean, that's one reason why I made, <clears throat> one of the reasons that I switched from TV to Odyssey House. In TV for decades, when you had something to celebrate or be upset about, you said, let's go to the bar. Uh, and I never hear that at Odyssey House at the end of the day. Let's, let's go to the bar and drink. And it's know? funny you should say that. When I first started in network radio, when one of our hosts would get fired, we would go to the bar and have sure. a wake. 
And it was a bar in Vegas, and they thought we were a softball team because we were in every week. Because <laughs> people, people in media, get fired. Yeah, yeah media yeah. get fired all yeah. the time. And Randall, you left Channel 4 with a couple years on your contract to come and do something right. great, which is help people out. Because one of the philosophies, the reason that's AAs and Januaries and everybody in recovery that it seems to work is when you give back and you work on other things, you get yourself out of your own head. And it's your own head that was causing the problems in the first place, you know. So. Exactly. So with that, introduce us to our guest, He's please. my buddy, January Riggins. <laughs> and uh, we met, I don't know, quite some time ago. And I've been following you on Facebook. And you have quite a story from your past. But and maybe we can talk about that first and then talk about what you're doing now. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it. we had her at, uh, we had her talking at the 4th Street Film Festival and people had, they had note cards that they could have their response and they said it was the most moving, dramatic, raw part of the whole evening, but, it, but they said it needed to be talked about. So, right. And so we're, we're not exploiting people like January. I, it's not like I paid Sorry. her $1,000 and said, you gotta come <laughs> no. down here and do this. Not even a coffee. <laughs> I did that a bottle of water, what do you want? This is a cheap show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, my, well, I'm January, obviously, and I have over 12 years in recovery. Um, I, and I, I did most of that through a 12-step program with Narcotics Anonymous. And, um, and uh, for me, like, my past is based around so many pieces of me were just chained to sexual abuse, physical abuse, trafficking abuse, sexploitation. Um, I would rather get well than get better. In my story, like uh, getting better was never an option for me because I had a shattered self-esteem, and um, and for me, I could find a vein in the dark, but I couldn't find a shed of light anywhere in my life. Growing up, I come from a broken home, um, poverty, and um, and it just was rampant, and uh, and I started to take these places even further. Like I like I didn't find any hope in like getting better, so I took it a little bit further to punish myself on a constant basis where. Um, I no longer was a victim to anything in my life and I was absolutely a volunteer of the abuse that I created in my own life. And, um, and, and through those series of processes, um, before I was 16, through sex expectation and um, my high-risk behaviors, I had two abortions, I was on my way to prison at 16, and um, having my first child by the time I was 17. And so... Um, and so, and there was a lot of red flags, even going into an abortion clinic by yourself, nobody asked me anything but what my date of birth was and what my name was in the sign. Nobody so nobody did. offered any help. Right. And, and back then when I used, I'm a lot older than I look. Um, I've been trying to do the math and it's failed me. <laughs> and I, uh, corrections was the favor. So there was never really the resources and, um, to, uh, start a process of, uh, the only way that you really got any much resources if you did like a high risk like suicide that they would put you in some ward that maybe they would talk to you for a little bit and then let you go and and that happened several times in my life with suicide attempts but um uh but it was more corrections and so even um by the time I ended and graduated high school barely and I and I and I fought for that because I wanted to have some kind of value in my life um, I made it every day because of sports, which is a weird thing to say, but I was really good at sports, and it was the only thing that kept me going to school. 
Um, and I would find ways to get there regardless if I haven't showered or if I'm using or if I'm using in the school or if I'm in the bathroom or if I'm alone or if I'm a part of something, I found a way to get there. But um, I graduated with a one-year-old kid and, uh, and not long after that, um, I, uh, I buried that kid from my choices. Um, High-risk environments, uh, don't know uh, I was uh, putting my I, I couldn't know I had no more ability to raise that kid and I was so broken in, with who I was that just I, I don't really know I just think that was inevitable where my life was going and uh, and my second kid was born uh, dependent on heroin and um, and I ran and thank God the system picked me up I turned a two-year sentence into 10 years um, how'd you do that I just was afraid to get out and I got institutionalized and I could use and be whoever I wanted in the correction system and I didn't have nowhere else to go. And wait, wait, you could use? Yeah. I could use anything in there. You can get anything in any system. I think you can get drugs in any treatment center or sober living or anywhere. It's the choice and not picking it up is the powerful movement. But that doesn't How would mean, you pay for it? Uh, I did, um, I you know, I would either do a lot of things for it in prison you can get people to get money on your books you can work you can gang up you can be a part of a process you can bring it in for them you can have a do the visiting process you can be the one that holds it so if you get another charge like they don't get in trouble so like you can be mulled in there and I went in so young and I fought my way through and there was a lot of traumatic things that happened in prison for me um and there was a lot of things that um I don't really talk about all the time. Um, I suffer from PTSD and trauma for my entire life, and um, it can still paralyze me. Like even in a meeting, I won't be the one that lets people sit behind me. Like I still try to find, and I have over twelve really? years clean, and I'm over forty. You know what I mean? I still don't let people like the panic of somebody sitting behind me is so much anxiety for me, and so. Um, you know, I and I got addicted to a different substance while I was locked up, and so. Um, I expired my date. There was a couple of times I paroled and I would go right back in because I felt more safe in there um, because of uh, the abuse that I endured while I was on the streets too, you know, um, prostitution, trafficking, um, all those things that come along in my life. Like um, in there I had a sense of power of a little bit of like I could invite whoever into my room or not or I could invite what I wanted in there or not. And uh, there is some lot of force and a lot of things that you have to endure to be part of that process in a system. But um, when I expired my number, uh, that's how I ended up in Utah, because um, <laughs> I'm from Colorado. Um, I ended up in Utah because everybody thought I needed to get out of there and all the relationships that I was creating and the abuse. And, and everywhere you go, there you are, right? Like, it didn't matter that I was moving out here. My brother lived out here. My nieces were out here. And it was just like... Um, I was kept on running. I haven't faced anything. And what happened for me is I got really trapped and isolated and consumed with the fact that um, the only way I know how to live is using. And so I found drugs out here. I found the same people, different faces. I found traffic, like, you know, trafficking over borders to bring drugs here so I could have them and sell them. And, um, and I probably at that time was... Um, probably one of like some of my darkest times in my life um I mean not that burying your own child or going in front of uh you know the system and being called 
you know, these things, um, because when I got my sentence, I got in child endangerment for, um, using while pregnant and charcoaled by police, and I was held down by police and handcuffed against the wall while they're charcoaling me to puke up, you know, substance because I'm pregnant, and they, uh, you get up and you're withdrawing and you're in front of a judge getting child endangerment charges and, um, criminal charges for being an addict, um, and so a lot of those things I didn't really face through that time. So when I came out here, I brought them all with me. And I ended up um, on the streets out here and doing the same thing. And, um, and you know, sex exploiting myself for one more. I will do anything for one more. Um, I don't limit myself in some moral compass when I'm using at all. And so, uh, and I don't know how I found recovery. I've been offered recovery my entire life, even going into the system. They're offering you recovery, right? They're telling you, you, you are unmanageable. You are a menace to society. You can't live and do without committing some kind right. of crime. And so I was offered it, you know, at 16, at 10, at suicide. And I was, like, all these things, like watching my daughter die and, like, having a baby uh, born addicted, like I had recovery in my face all the time that who I was becoming was a monster, you know, and so I never took that opportunity. I don't, and when I got arrested out here for the last time, well, they offered me treatment and I wanted to go to prison because I know how to do prison real well because that's the system that I was raised in. So going to treatment and getting help and going and talking about all these things that happened in my life was not what I wanted to do. And he still sentenced me to treatment, even though I argued with him for, like, Judge Dawson. I want prison, not treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your uh, honor, and, and, he, and the cool part about that process, uh, like, after two years of recovery, I got to go back in front of him and make an amends and, like, tell him that I was clean and give him back this, like, uh, um, like give him one of my, like, Where coins. was this judge? Uh, Davis County. Yeah. And he sends me to treatment. And that is such, so counterintuitive because 99% of people would say, I'll take treatment over jail. No. And you were the 1%. Yeah, I would rather do two years in prison than six months in county jail. Wow. So what, so what worked? What, what fine, you said you've been clean for this long time. What, what finally turned things around? Well, the treatment center that I went to, and it's still pretty old school then, but they believed in the 12-step program, which was super huge. And um, they took people to meetings, and they had women come in and share from different fellowships. And, um, and I don't know if, it, like, if that was the process or where I was at, but it was more uh, that like um, authentic, get real, and, uh, and treat you like a human. And not this breakdown series. Um, I've already, like, I, like, thank God I wasn't in a place that just tore you apart and broke you down. Because I just came from being so broken down. I was raped every day in my life by either myself or someone or allowing someone or the system or a family. Or, like, all the trauma that I, cre like, that was going on since I was, like, six. Like, there was no way I was going to go in a place and they're just going to tear me down more and tell me that I need to be rebuilt. Like, that wasn't what I needed. Like, I needed to be loved and not forgotten and, like, I mattered. And so the place that I went was all women's and, uh, and they believed in that. And, um, they, and they believed in that whole wellness and bringing in the, you know, the 12-step program along with that. And, um, 
and and it just happened every day I woke up and told myself like I'm not gonna snick a needle in my arm and I'm not this isn't a lockdown facility and I would open the door every day for 90 days and be like I'm not locked down I can run and every day I stayed every day I stayed and um and through that process I got introduced to a fellowship that um I identified with and that's my home and um and 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 that's and I'm an addict and I'm clean and you know and um and that made I got to identify and I got to hear other people even though I was looking for some like differences because I don't think anybody been where I've been and it was just an excuse because I didn't know if this is where I belonged but um I just started to do the thing that they tell us to do right like show up right, going right. whatever meetings and so there. many yeah. right and um something happened in that process and uh, I was offered like I was, uh, out of all the girls there, I think there might be one other girl that is still a long-term recovery, and through the process, uh, I've watched some of them we've buried. Um, I went back and worked in that treatment center because I got my uh, LSAC license. Um, I was naive. Um, just because I'm an addict doesn't mean I'm going to stay an addict. Um, and um, and I resigned from that um, position and went to waitress for like seven years and I loved it and I love human connection. Um, but through my recovery, I don't like I don't really know. like I've done some of the hardest work, like grief counseling. I've done step work. like I, I've been here like 12, 12 years and I've done like almost seven on my eighth round of steps. You know what I mean? I, I still go to meetings diligently. I, um, I don't get involved in the whole sponsorship thing, but um, like I do service. I've done service where I've traveled the world, like even Thailand, and spoke and done all these things. Um, and I'll pick up cigarette butts. Like I'm not f- exempt no. <laughs> from picking up and giving back. By the know? way, we had a discussion before the show because January has a <laughs> proclivity for using a word that. Um, Comcast Channel 17 would not like. And I helped myself. That was pretty impressive. You, 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 you were going wonderful. <laughs> yeah. You're amazing. Yeah, I helped it pretty good. You know what's amazing, and, and we need to talk about this because I don't know what our time frame is like, but January started a nonprofit called Soap to Hope, mm-hmm. and maybe you can explain what because I I I I mean because we we know each other and we know mutual people who participate in our program but it's pretty incredible what you do go ahead and yeah so soap to hope started about a year and a half ago and it was just us from the kitchen floor to the streets 20 bags of hygiene condoms um nothing it was just me and uh, my sister and we just went out and we just met people and my and she's from uh, the escorting part and um i'm from the traffic and the prostitution part and addiction and um gangs and so we just um we started to do this and we just started to go make these connections and over a year and a half we never missed a Tuesday and we found a way to get enough funding even if it was me working four or five jobs and um, I lived up north and I moved down here and I needed to create something I went through 10 years clean rocked me with PTSD and trauma and being violated and uh, to a point where I was pretty disabled and the only thing I didn't do was pick up and I'm grateful for that, but I had to start making changes through that process. And um, and I do that with 
fighting for myself. Like I advocated for full expungement, got rejected like four times and still went and I got full expungement and I go and do these things constantly. And so, and, and specifically, I mean, just so people understand what we're talking about, you go on North Temple and you knock on motel doors. Yeah. We're, we're all over. It's not just, oh, we okay. hit like I, six, I don't want to stigmatize seven. any area, but you're dealing with right. sex workers and people like that who may be in deep, trouble or, or well, they're, they're shattered needs. and they're broken and they lack resources and they lack and it's a night outreach so we don't expose them we don't um have you in some uh commercial where you are like like these are people behind the cities that are forgotten and we uh built it just recently uh launched as a non-profit but for a year and a half we just did it out of pocket and we went every we went from 20 bags to now 150 we do wound care bags, we do um, at food for animals, we do prevention, we do condoms, and then we work with One Voice to do needle exchange, and I have a harm reduction, so I get to do that, and I'm a volunteer to them, and, um, and we provide as many resources as we can, if it's from USARA, from treatment, if it's Medicaid, if it's like the bridge program, if it's whatever, like, whatever resource we know, even if it's um, STD clinics or infection clinics. Um, I these women um, uh, face a lot of barriers, and one of them is like pimp control, gang control. And when the system takes down like Backpage or where they get to sell themselves, they now are exposed to gang and pimp control. And before they could be marketing themselves, and then they put them out more high risk and more violence and more trafficking. And um, and so we try to advocate and make awareness for that. Um, and so now that we launched the nonprofit, like we're just trying to build it, we're trying to create more avenues. Um, I, I, I don't even know the stories. There's days that I walk out of there, I like get home at 1 a.m. on last night. I was at home at yeah. 1 a.m. And I walk the streets barefoot, so my feet are dirty, and I get grounded, and I'm a street kid, and I'm not afraid of the streets. I mean, I'm walking in with people using heroin and, and helping them and whatever, and cleaning their wounds and teaching them how to stay safe. and making sure they have basic needs and I get to build this conversation and connection with them that over a period of time the conversation starts to change like right now one girl has an intake on September 1st and another girl um you know she was using while pregnant and we were working on all of her abscesses and she was destroying herself and we didn't even really know if the baby was still alive at this moment but then she made that call and the volunteers that work for Soap to Hope went and picked her up and got her in an emergency c-section and that baby was born dependent and she didn't stay and she ran but that doesn't mean we still don't love her like i'm attached to her and so i still serve her out there and i still love her and she is not forgotten and she matters like um and that's what the whole process is for us and like you know some of them are getting on the map program and getting into these different clinics and we have people on our board and on our volunteers that do work for odyssey that offer a different resource and um and so we do have like such a built a uh, service project that we call like it's just ground zero on the streets um and nobody else is touching there right like it's and you, and you actually knock on hotel doors mm -hmm. and stuff yeah and say you want any help yeah we're just outreach everybody knows me even if i ride the scooter around town because <laughs> i like the scooters Everybody will be like, it's the outreach girl. They're like, hey, and I'll stop. And and they just know us. Like, they're my family. Like, I know their names, and I know their, like, like the conversations. And um, and it's having an impact. 
it's having an impact. You, you, this is, uh, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound crazy, but you're the Mother Teresa of North Temple. <laughs> no, no, I don't save anybody. I just love them. Well, you do save people. <laughs> and, and it strikes me that you're, I can, I'm not, I'm obviously not a shrink, but you're giving back to people who are in the position that you used to be in. Oh yeah, that's my, uh, that's my passion. I don't know if my life would have changed if the resources were different or somebody would have took the time and seen that. If somebody came in and made made no judgment on you and just said, how can I help you? I love you. I care about you. you And I'm going to tell you like addicts and people that use in that environment, those are my family. There was, I closed every door and every door was closed on me, but some of those homes that allowed me to sleep on their couch or shower or, you know, check on me. I had friends. I was a cutter. I mean, they would, I had people out there that took me in when nobody else would take me in. And so, but like that resource, like there was so lack of resources. The only people that came looking for me were corrections, (laughs) right? And I was on federal felony warrants and I was on warrants and that was the only people looking for me. It wasn't an outreach. It wasn't somebody in recovery giving back on the streets. Um, I do think that we get in this black and white place where like, if you're in a barbershop, you're going to get loaded or you're going to get your hair cut. And so recovering addicts, it takes them a minute to feel like they can go back and do these things or put themselves in these positions. So they do different kind of uh, service projects, right? If it's like throwing a dance or throwing a, you know, whatever it is. But, like, that rawness of, like, being out there at that ground zero, at that moment. Like, um, like I said, I get home sometimes and I'm just broken. I feel powerless. Um, I don't know if I have enough hygiene. I don't know if I can work in another job to supply it. Um, Where do you find your money? I literally, um, there's a couple of our volunteers that just come out of pocket. That we come out of pocket and I work four jobs. Um, now that we've officially gone nonprofit and we have a banking account where we have a Facebook page with our PayPal on there and we have people liking us or messaging us and we're trying to get ourselves out there to get more funding and get people to donate so we can buy these supplies because they're not cheap Um, and we have an Amazon wish list where people can absolutely order them and it gets shipped right to my house Um, and that's been really cool from the community and the people even and by the way strange at the bottom of your screen, for those of you watching right here on Comcast, we have your contact information. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You're going to give it to Lee after the show. It will be put on. It's, it's like, <laughs> how does he know, right? Uh, you know, he, but it will be there. Right. It will be and there. Soap to Hope. How's that? When and you look it up. S-O-A-P number two H-O-P. Okay. And then we have an email, and I can give that to him. Um, but yeah, I've even had people from the Fourth Street Clinic film, or from the film festival found me and give me their donations. I've had people that are traveling. And, and you work four jobs to support this. Yeah. My main job and the one I love and the organization I work for is definitely uh, is USARA. I came down here to help build and be a part of a program, The Arches, and that's addiction recovery coaching and healthcare settings. So we meet everybody in hospitals, right? Like of an overdose, substance abuse. We've had people from your organization. Yeah, and Amy so, and Riley. Have yeah, been, and I'm the yeah. me and Riley have been the longest ones on that team. And so, um, and I've been there from the beginning. From we've had different leads and all this stuff. And so that's my main job. And then I work another one, and then I work another one, and then I now just created Soap to Hope. So now I'm that, and we're starting to build it and get volunteers. But some of my volunteers. 
what they're willing to do is like um, mind-blowing even to go take them i've taken them to hospitals in the middle of the night after fourth street film festival we went and picked up one girl and she was she had a severe std we sat up there for her she was in there she got her antibiotics got on mat and went home and she hasn't used for two weeks and now has an intake on september 1st and then another one um she was about ready to go septic and from her affections from abscesses she messaged me at 911 on sunday and i went and paid four nights of her hotel room and so she wouldn't lose all of her stuff and she was at lds and she got all, like support antibiotics and they literally called me because i was a release of information and said that if we went and got her there she would have died from septic and the going the infection going into the blood because abscesses need a way out yeah it, it just, this, is, this is a gang of really incredible <laughs> yeah, people. They go that out, it is a wee thing. They go out in the dark. I mean, it gets, it's after dark, and then they go to places where you suspect these things are going on. And we say North Temple because that's one of the places, but State Street or wherever, and knock on doors and say, do you want help with no judgment? I mean, it's incredible. When and it's a do. basic need. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it starts the biggest conversation. <clears throat> Well, you, you were amazing. Unfortunately, we're out of time. And, and January, you are a breath of fresh air. We have your contact information on the bottom of the screen. But for those listening on either iTunes or Spotify, your website is SOAP, S-O-A-P. No, so we only have Facebook and Instagram. Okay. I haven't been able to fund much more. But yeah, SOAP to Hope on Facebook and Instagram. It's just the same. Fantastic. And I'm, my, my name is January Reagan. You can just find me on Facebook. That's I think R-I-G-G-I-N-S. I'm like, G-G-I-N-S. Yeah. Yes. I, you'll know me. I'm pretty obnoxious on there. My tongue will and, probably be out. <laughs> and you know what? We've got a whole half hour without her using the F word. That is, I love you. Way to go, January. It's a miracle. And for those of you watching, uh, the number at the bottom of the screen is Odyssey House. Make a call. Get some of that weight off your shoulders. Help someone out. Odyssey House is a great spot to start, but there are many, many wonderful care centers there. For those listening, the phone number is 801-322-3222. You got it. You can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> for Randall Carlisle <laughs> and January, I'm Tripp saying thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everyone.